Welcome to the Dental Amigos podcast with Dr. Paul Goodman and attorney Rob Montgomery, taking you behind the scenes of the dental business world, all the things you didn't learn in dental school but wish you had. Rob is not a dentist and Paul is not a lawyer, but since Rob is a lawyer, we need to tell you that this podcast is for informational purposes only and shouldn't be considered legal advice. Listening to this podcast does not and will not create an attorney-client relationship. As is always the case, you should formally consult with legal counsel before proceeding with any legal matter. Learn more about The Dental Amigos at www.thedentalamigos.com. And now, here are The Dental Amigos. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Dental Amigos podcast. I'm Rob Montgomery, and I'm joined, as always, by the head nacho himself, Dr. Paul Goodman. Great to be talking, Rob. Paul, it's always good to be in the room with you. Here we are in season four of Buying a Practice, uh, episode two. Yeah, helping people make the biggest decision of their career and or life. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, we got into some general things to look for and what to avoid in uh, in episode one of this season. And this episode, we're going to talk about what, in some respects, is a fairly important yes. topic, which is how to find a practice to purchase. Like, you've decided that you're going to yes. buy a practice, right? Now, now what? How do you find that? Do you just Google you know, dental practice for sale in my town, and and right. suddenly all these great options of practices exactly like you want pop up, and you have the a pick of the litter as to what which what, one you like. What I'll kind of jump off and say is, and even I was, you know, I bought into my dad's practice. We bought other practices later. Uh, the myth is it's a lot easier than you think. I think it's because the real estate world is so present in everybody's mind from even when I was a kid seeing for sale signs when I was in fourth grade to the MLSs, to the people buying houses. And I think one of the things I just want to share in the how to find is there is no real database that you can just click through and see all the practices for sale. It's mm -hmm. much more of a old school for some listeners, Oregon Trail or Wild West World, <laughs> even though there are some good sites and I'm a broker uh -huh. for United Down Brokers America and we have a site and we have the practices listed there. But it's, if you were thinking about this for a second, Rob, you said, hey, I'm a dentist. I want to practice in New Jersey. I want to find all the practices for sale in New Jersey. That would be quite a process. That'd be right? undertaking, even the yeah. broker deals, right? Uh -huh. You got to find the websites that uh -huh. don't exist. So I think um, kind of the the two ways, you know, is what we'll talk about is broker deals and non-broker deals mm -hmm. um, in trying to find a practice. But I'll say Dental Nacho's um, mantra is ABC, always be connecting. So if you're listening and you want to buy a practice, start connecting with people that know about practices as early as possible because right. they will look out for you. But if you could show up with, if you, if you text me and say, hey, Paul, remember how I like didn't go to any of your C courses and didn't pay attention to your emails, but I need to buy a practice tomorrow? I'm not always willing to just jump into action right. for that person. So it's a relationship world. Right. And you know, broker or non-broker deals, I think it's key to start developing relationships with people who connect people in this world. Oh, absolutely. And if I have somebody who has reached out to us in the early stages of the process and they ask us that question, you know, I'll tell them these are the the four or five brokers in the area that are you know have have the inventory. You have to get to know them. You know, yeah. you don't just search their website. Don't just you know right. uh, send them an email. Get to know them. You know, let them know what you're looking for. Find out what they have, and if something becomes available. You know, you want to be at the top of the list for that call because, as you said, this is not like the real estate world. It's not like there's yeah. some central database of all practices for sale like there are, for the most part, with with homes. 
um, you have to really just pound the pavement. And and again, here we are in a in a seller's market. So if you're a buyer right. and you're looking for something good, you really have to do what you can to make sure that you know you're the you're getting the first word when something right. is uh, is available. People think of you, remember you. I mean, I I'll share also just to kind of continue to share how different it is. And I've never sold real estate. But my assumption is a real estate broker, a real estate agent is not that interested in someone about to buy a house, wants to buy a house in the next three years, right? They're kind of living in the moment. I'm sure they would keep them for their database. I'm sure they would think about them, but I know probably three good dentists who are gonna sell their practice in the next three years. They don't mm -hmm. have any listings right now. Mm -hmm. But if I know someone who I meet at a networking event and they say, I wanna be in Center City, Philadelphia, and they're a nice person, I'll be like, okay, I'll, I'll keep you in mind. Sure. And then I think that's the key point that you know you have to get your face out there. I was actually just saying this for the my Job Connect world, Rob, but you know, when you're dating to find someone to marry, you got to put yourself out there. You got to go mm -hmm. to the things. Then when you're married, you don't have to go out to the bars as much, right? From those times, you don't necessarily have to go out to the coffee shops as much. So when you are a dentist looking to buy a practice, you got to put yourself out there as much yeah. as possible. Yeah. You know, see events, networking events. Yeah. And it's, you know, and, and, it, and it's a challenge. And, and like a lot of the advice I'm sure you would give somebody who's looking for a job, it's the same, as you said, same advice you give for somebody that's looking to buy a practice. Even right? more important because it's that magical connection that some supply rep at a conference goes, oh, oh, you want to be in Concha Hawken? One of my clients just told me they're going to be moving to Utah, right? Right. And let me connect you. Right. And, you know, those are, I think, you know, you were kind of start off though, I don't want to get off track is, you know, broker deals, you recommend people looking and connecting with brokers, both as people and virtually. Right. So there are people kept, you know, some people say to me, Rob, it's funny, like, why didn't you tell me about that practice you had for sale? I go, you think I was going to remember you on some random day in January? you got to follow my emails, right? Yeah. If you unsubscribe from these emails, like that's where like never unsubscribe from an email or text thing when you're doing these big picture decisions. Right. You know, create a Gmail account that's just for these because that's the only way us brokers can get the word out for this stuff. Right. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, too, it's like, I think we're in a in an age, at least you know for now. Maybe this will swing back a little bit, especially you know post COVID. You know where people just aren't wired to be in you know one on one in personal sure. in person settings. You know, like and that was very much the case with uh, you know with with legal uh, continuing education yeah. too. Like everybody's like, well, you do it virtually. Like yeah, you can. There's a lot of things you can do virtually, but this is one thing that if you are a potential practice purchaser, you're in the market. I don't see how you could afford right. to do it virtually, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I think that there is more, you know, certainly the in-person in opportunities have come back. They've changed a little bit, yeah. but like the days of walking around a, a showroom floor at a, you know, at a giant dental meeting, yeah. you, that, that probably wasn't going to be the thing right. anyway. I mean, I guess you could meet a few brokers that might have tables at those and, you know, make that the the start to that, to that relationship. But I think, you know, what you're talking about are, you know, local, you know, dental societies, you know, county, state, yeah. you know, those, you know, basically the the dental community, you know. Well, and the reason why those are so great, Rob, I just lectured at this um, uh, Normandy Farms. It was like lecturing at a Hallmark movie. They had all the nice lighting and everything. And it was like 50 people in the Montgomery Bucks County area. Mm -hmm. And if I was a young dentist that wanted to live in the Montgomery Bucks County, I would go to that. I would take off work because there were people... 45 and 55, and I would sit yeah. next to him at lunch and just say, Perfect. what's your practice like? Tell me more about it, right? right. 
And they keep you in mind for stuff because the reason why I do local is, yes, it's great to go to the, I love the Dental Success Summit with Dr. Mark Hostis, but if you go to Arizona and you want to practice in Philadelphia, there's a low chance that there's going to be a bunch of Philadelphia dentists mm -hmm. sitting there. Mm -hmm. But if you go to a local event near Philadelphia, right. this is not rocket science, is you're going to see people who can make it. And then plus, Rob, the sponsors of these are just magical because whether it's an implant sponsor or a banking sponsor or anyone, they also know the local market. Mm -hmm. And you be a real person to say, hey, I've been an associate for a few years. Over the next year, I want to buy a practice. Do you know anybody? Right. Um, right. Well, I think that there are two different missions, so to speak. You know, there's the Costas thing for for business yeah. reasons and and maybe clinical reasons. But then, you know, as you say, the the local stuff, uh, it, it's it's invaluable. And you meet the people, as you said in a previous episode, that uh, it might be a good idea to just go out and see somebody's practice, just right. so you see different practices. You know, so if you meet three or four dentists, you go out, you look at two or three practices. It gives you a better idea what their practices are like, and you know the demographic that you're talking about, where you've got a bunch of forty-five and fifty-five-year-olds or whatever in in the room. These are people that are going to be selling their practices soon, or there are also people who know people who may be selling their practices yeah. soon. You know, and you know, as dentists, I think that the challenge that that you guys have professionally is just that so often you are on, you know, dentist island. You know, right. you've got your practice and it's you and, you know, your assistants and your hygienists and all your your team, but you're not interacting with dentists in, you know, in the course of your day. You know, you're not picking up the phone, talking to yeah. other dentists, you know, uh, you're not seeing dentists in your office. You know, there aren't opportunities to encounter other dentists sure. unless you really you know, put yourself out there. Yeah, that's you're said right. You could visit dentists and, you know, getting back to the brokers, be a real person to brokers and show interest in their practices. I can share just great tips. When I have a practice for sale, and I know we have one in Montgomery County, so I know there's many dentists want to know in Montgomery County, and this is what I, this is the way you interact with a broker. Oh, hey, Paul, you have this dent practice for sale in Montgomery County. It fits the number of operatories and the revenue. Let me sign the NDA and connect with the dentist, right? I would love to talk with that dentist on the phone. This is what you don't do. Hey, Paul, could you tell me I knew how many new patients they had of April of 2021? And I go, what are you going to do with that information? They go, I don't know, right? <laughs> Somebody told so, me yeah. they asked that question, so right? Show interest and be a real person in meeting these people because I don't know it's how to find a practice to purchase is to give yourself a lot of options and context mm -hmm. of different practices. Right. And it's frustrating to me as someone who went around with one of your close friends years ago, and we looked at like 15 dental practices. I spent days driving around looking at these practices, and I learned something in every single one, mm -hmm. even the ones I wasn't going to buy. So it doesn't mean you're going to lead on a, a seller and say, I want to buy their practice if you don't. But if it's, if it's in your location and it's reasonably close to what you want, show interest in those brokers' practices because the magic, Rob, is they're going to show you more practices later right. when you do that. Right. Right. Yeah, it's not uh, it's not complicated, yeah. right? Well, I think, you know, in, in terms of just kind of like a little bit of a follow-up or a detour, I guess, and really more than anything, you know, like I like what, what Cliff Moore does too. Yeah. Like it's a cool thing. You know, he sponsors nights and, yeah. you know, where he gets out and meets people in, you know, in the community, you know, and I think it's just being, being in tune to those things. And if you see those opportunities, you know, uh, on social media, don't just let it exist on your phone. Like, you know, yeah, try I mean, to I figure do this, ways to I'm going to do something, you know, just for that. the time of this recording, February 16th at 19th and Chestnut, a totally free networking event. So we will get people together. So when it, an associate says, I'm 
too tired after work to go, Paul. I don't really want to go. And then three months later, they say, can I see that practice there? It doesn't mean I won't let them see it, Rob. It's not mm -hmm. like I'm spiteful. It's just that I know the mentality and the mentality of like what Cliff does. The people who come out to those things are usually the ones that are good buyer candidates. Mm -hmm. My job is to not, is to the success and sanity of the seller. So it's a relationship-based world, right? So right. it's like, you know, come and meet some people. Let me see how you interact. I mean, a lot of right. times the broker's protecting the seller from a lot of stress, right? right? And, you know, I always want to give the seller as many options as possible. But when it says how to find one, it's to get brokers on your side as people. Yeah, yeah. And and I think, and that that's a good segue to our next set of topics, I think, which is, you know, the the, the for sale by owner, I guess there's really three. There's the broker practice, there's the the uh, broker sale practice, there's the seller who uh, wants to, you know, for sale by owner. Yeah. And then uh, there are the unsolicited offers, right. you know, where, you know, there are certain consultants and I think, you know, the share practices uh, folks are, have always been big proponents of this. And that's sometimes that's what you got to do. Yeah. You know, you have to send out 300 letters to try to find right. somebody who is uh, interested in selling their practice. The only downside with that, now again, you, it helps you find these off-market deals, yeah. which can be good. Uh, but, you know, in my experience, you just have to be ready for a little bit of pain possibly right. with that because you may be approaching somebody who hasn't seriously thought about selling at that time. Two things. Know? I agree with you there. A, hasn't seriously thought and B, is very emotionally attached to that practice and very hard to ask them the hard questions about their baby. Right. Yeah. So it's like I've seen this through other deals where people say, I thought this non-broker deal was going to be good. But it's just remember, like you had said. If they have the right advisory team, usually they're probably not recommending they sell the practice by themselves anyway. So this is a little bit of a chicken and egg thing, right? Sure. You know, you have Ladd and Duckett and Rob Montgomery, they're probably going to say, hey, this is a long process. You want to work with a broker who knows what they're doing. Here's three that know what they're doing. Our suggestion is you work with them. It's probably going to make the deal go smoother. It's probably mm -hmm. going to make your other users. But let's just say they don't have a good advisory team and they're answering all the questions themselves. I'll say dentist to dentist, I would not say to a practice owner a lot of things I've said to a broker of that practice owner to get the information I need because mm -hmm. I'd literally be worried I'd hurt their feelings. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the same thing like in the legal world. I mean, right. a lot of times you have lawyers to act as buffers so right. that the, the parties don't have to have these you know, difficult conversations that can be relationship changers. Yeah. For sure. But even, but I mean, again, something I was talking about a moment ago though, but it, it's beyond just like the difference between a broker and not broker practice. Again, people that haven't even thought about actively offering up their practice for sale who are now for the first right. time thinking about because they got a letter. I would say, again, it's not a bad thing. But again, just as far as your expectations, there's sort of like a, a process here that the seller needs to go through, which includes like, I want to sell my practice. Right. And and like and they've thought about it. They've changed their mind. They've thought about what they want for it. They've thought about what the terms are. And then, you know, as they've kind of worked through that, they finally get to the point where, yes, let's put it out to market. If you know, they haven't thought about it until they received your letter. You, you as the buyer, you should kind of get ready for like a bumpy process here right. as they kind of go through that, that thought process. And and I've seen situations where deals like that, and I've said this to the client, like unfortunately, you know, what you what you asked for was good. These were reasonable, you know, requests in the in the document and in the deal. But this person might need this. You know, they have to see this failure 
before right. they're ready to do this. And then the next time somebody asks for the same thing, chances are it's going to get done, you know, but you had to sort of be the first one in yep. and 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 that's that's a challenge. You you also had mentioned we we're talking about the deals dragging on which we can get to in a second. I yeah. uh, this is kind of the the other side of that coin is the total failure to launch Matthew McConaughey movie from back in the day, failure to launch. So what I mean by this is us brokers spend a lot of time being like, can we have your tax returns? Can we have this? We need this. We need yeah. this. We need this. And yeah. I think they do better giving it to the broker than they sometimes do this potential buyer. Mm -hmm. So the failure to launch part could be, you know, I, I do buyer coaching. They say, oh, I got a, I got a deal on the table, Paul. I, they want to sell the practice for $700,000. say, okay, good. Where, where are the tax returns? I haven't got them yet, right? And I go, I don't know if this thing's ever going to launch because if they mm -hmm. want a price. And so I just think, I don't know if I'm being not clear, but like the DIY sell it yourself, there can be a real information challenge to get across to the other side of the table. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, as you said, and you know, from our perspective, without fail, those deals drag on. They yep. just they take a lot longer for the reasons we're talking about. You know, you've got a seller that doesn't really have an, an agent to help, you know, as right. a facilitator to exchange information. Um, you don't have an advisor who is uh, helping them to you know, set expectations. Uh, and you may also still have somebody who hasn't totally committed to selling their practice at this time. And, you know, and for us too, like when you, then you throw in like the perfect storm is they don't have a lawyer and or CPA on their, on their team who has experience in these transactions. So now you've got this seller right. out there without a broker. Without an experienced lawyer or CPA in the dental in the dental space, who's trying to like figure out what they think is reasonable and not without any context right. as to what is normal in these transactions and what's normal in the market. And For sure, and I think you know, it's the I'll call it the backout factor. I mean, you remember this? You've helped with so many things. You helped Jeff and I with the deal where the seller just decided not to sell his practice yeah. after we'd done a lot of work on this practice. So you know. The backout factor, mm -hmm. both parties can really back out of deals, right? I mean, mm -hmm. there's no there's no laws that say they can't back out, right? But you get a sense of the momentum of the seller's real desire to sell when he's interacting with the broker a lot, and mm -hmm. sometimes they can really just um, trick you along the way mm -hmm. by saying, "Hey, we're just stopping this." And I've seen, you know, one things we can share with, I don't become later is like, "Don't quit your job." too soon, right? Yeah. I've seen associates message me on Facebook. I quit my job. I'm going to buy this practice. I go, oh, did they accept an LOIs? They go, what's that? I go, oh, you should have quit your job. Yeah, right? yeah, right. You know? Oh boy. You yeah. know, so I just think that point about finding a practice to purchase broker versus DIY, of course, this is your big decision. Keep all options open. Just understand what each road looks like. Uh -huh. Yeah. And look, and, and, and if you know kind of what to expect, then you'll know when something's not normal, right? But I mean, also, you know, when you look at those DIY deals, uh, they do drag on and sometimes just like any deal, but they seem to, yeah. to me to disproportionately, you know, fail. Um, any deal that drags on for too long is, is now in, in, in peril. Yeah. I mean, I mean, say this, you know, we've clients of, of ours have heard us say this to them, but I'll say it here, you know, to the audience, time is the killer right. of all deals, yeah. you know, and Paul, how many times have you heard me say that, you know? Yeah. So, so anything that any kind of situation that for whatever reason, things are dragging on that broker or no broker. But again, as we talk about the fact that no broker unbrokered practices 
tend to to drag on longer. That is that's a recipe for for uh, for a dead deal. Yeah, it's a it's a and I think that um, you know. When you're looking for a practice, brokers represent not only just that practice, but also future practices too. So it's just a key point that the random sell for sale by owner, you might connect and that could be your practice. Right. But sometimes you can just go down a rabbit hole of time. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, and, and I say this too, it's like you don't really have the bandwidth to look at that many serious deals at the same time. Mm-hmm. So you want to be cognizant buyers of your own time, right? You're, right. You know, you've worked with people for six months and then it just didn't go at all. And that's right. six months lost of looking at other deals and things like that. So, well, there's a, there's a cost to that too. I mean, it probably doesn't, it's probably not a legal cost, uh, certainly not with that initial shopping, yeah. but you know, look, you're, you, you should have a CPA right. helping with the process. And, you know, it's not like you can go out and look at 15 different practices right. and keep coming back. Like, I got yeah. another one, right. you know, like, I guess you could, but. But I mean, usually, because you see, it basically takes over your life when you're buying a practice. I mean, mm-hmm. it takes over everything you do. You wake up, you think about it. Um, you know, I think that uh, that's why for the finding part has to start earlier than most buyers think. Yeah. I think they just think, Today's the day I'm going to look for some brokers, and I'll have some four practices available. Uh, in the oh, next you're giving year. too much credit. Yeah. They, today's the day I'm going to go online and search, you know, right. for a uh, a practice for sale on a uh, a national broker website, and and then yes, within three months I will be the the proud practice. And I'm owner. glad, Rob, you said like deal. I I have dealt with some very unique brokers. You know, I think I won't say his name for our podcast, but probably went by his first name. He tried to sell me a practice that the person didn't want to sell. It was it was like a whole. I felt bad for myself. He go, I goes, I go. He goes, oh, there's a million dollar practice right where you want to go. Oh, thanks, broker. One name guy would start with doctor, and then he goes, nobody. It wasn't for sale. So what I'm sharing is, I totally get why brokers get bad raps. Totally get it. But That's when you so work funny. with good brokers, just ask trusted people who yeah. are good people because the people who work with good brokers as buyers or sellers don't know how you could do it any other way. Yeah. You know, so yeah. totally. The broker world has some characters, but just look for good people. Yeah. And then if, you know, don't also, you know, what you say, Rob, is uh, when you're finding a practice, dual representation brokers represent a lot of danger. Mm-hmm. You know, should you have an attorney look at NDAs? The answer is probably yes, right? Yeah. Just willy-nilly wow. start signing NDAs that you're going to yeah. give 3% of purchase prices to people. You know, oh, yeah. it, it's... Uh, it's cleverly just, disguised. Right, yeah, yeah. You so, don't realize what you've signed and what you've what you've agreed to. Nah, that's a great point. So, you know, I think it's important. It's the time to develop. When you want to start looking for a practice, it's the time to develop a relationship with an attorney for two reasons. One, to protect you from it. And also, you guys are great connectors too. Yeah. Well, it's 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 everybody. You know, I think it's just get yourself out there, as you said. You know, you want to, to you know get a lawyer on board. You want to get a CPA. You want to network with with people in your community. You want to meet the brokers yeah. that are out there. You know, this is this is not. You know, if you truly want to have, you know, the the the, the maximum you know a number of options or put yourself in the position to to succeed. You know, in this in this endeavor, I think you really you have to you have to run down all these 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 possibilities, right? I mean, I would say, you know, if somebody said, what's the best way to do it? Okay, here you go. You go to networking events, like right. I said. You you engage with dental-focused CPAs and lawyers. You send out letters. Right. You talk to brokers, right? right? And, and you search websites. Yeah. You do all of it, right? And, 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 and one of those things will hopefully yield 
you know, the, yeah, the and I'll even add in too. Want. Start talking to banks to get financing approval because they're good connectors too. Uh, one one of the yeah. bankers we both know, I was waiting to go into my office with a deal in like 2018 or 19, and he's like, "What about one of my clients?" And they bought the practice. Yeah, just like this. What about this? He goes, "Oh, I see you have a practice in the uh, Kensington area. I think I have someone who is looking at practice, and he owns that practice now." So yeah, you know, the people who are playing this game every day, and I think you know, you thought it was like. Dental-focused people play this dental-focused game of basketball, and you start using advisors outside of it. It's kind of like they came dressed up in a baseball catcher's outfit to play this game with everybody <laughs> else. Right. Yeah, and, great. you know, it's it just doesn't fit. It doesn't mean yeah. that they don't know accounting outside of it. It doesn't mean, I'm sure you would say, they don't know uh, law. Right. But, you know, uh, I, I'm just trying to pick an example. For, I don't know, maybe family law is a whole law. If you just said, hey, I'm Rob, I'm dental-focused attorney. I'm here to play with you guys today, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. You'd say, Rob, you're not breaking in these courts all the time, right, Rob? You don't yeah. know. And I just think there's nuances to all these dental deals. Get people who are doing them all the time with the, with the added benefit of, A, they know people in the industry, and B, they know what they're doing when you get to the deal. Yeah, yeah, and I think, and that that that's a great point, Paul. And I think it it sort of raises another uh, another issue, which I think we can talk about before we wrap up, which is, you know, having these people and these relationships lined up so that when you find that practice, especially in the yes. seller market, like you're ready to you're ready to move and execute. You know, if if you find the practice and then you start shopping around for a CPA to get help with with your due diligence. Yeah. You start shopping around to find a lawyer to help you submit the LOI. And then you're gonna start asking for and trying to find banks that are willing to to do these loans. You know, by the time you've kind of executed on those three items, yeah. the practice has probably been sold to right. somebody else, right? And it's probably, you know, the advisors don't really want to jump into a half deal anyway. It's not that they wouldn't, but it's just better when they're there from ground zero, managing people's expectations. A lot of times they could have done things to have saved you money, time, or stress yeah. to start with. Right, right. You know, I, I, I actually am going to start doing this, Rob, because I guess I'm getting older and crotchier, but like, I'm going to like, like for someone to be able to really engage a, a practice with us, I'm going to like make them check a few boxes, right? Like, do you have a bank relationship? Do you know an attorney? Because what happens is somehow we miss this step. Then three quarters of the way through the deal, they go, do you know an attorney? I go, I knew Rob like seven months ago. You could have met him, right? Yeah. And I just think um, they just go out of order. And I think hopefully these episodes help people kind of get their game plan for sports wars yeah. in the right way for this. And once again, making the biggest decision of your career. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's great advice. And I think we can wrap it up yeah. with that, Paul. Thanks. Uh, and uh, thanks, as always, uh, for listening, folks. And hopefully, I've uh, got some good uh, information here and some things to think about. Yeah. And when you're ready to look for a practice, you're going to do it all the right ways. Yeah. And uh, find a practice that you like and be a successful practice owner. Uh, and everyone, thanks for, for listening. If you like the podcast today, please go on uh, Apple Podcasts or Google Play or wherever you listen to us and give us a good review, please. And until the next time, thanks, Paul. Awesome, Rob. Thanks for listening to another great podcast with The Dental Amigos. And don't forget to tune in next time to have the dental business demystified. If you're looking for more information about today's podcast, you can find it on the dentalamigos.com. If you're looking for Paul, you can find Paul at drpaulgoodman.com. And if you're looking for Rob, you can find him at yourdentallawyer.com. This podcast has been sponsored by Orange Line Media Group, helping dentists and other professionals create content people love. Find out how we can help you take your business to the next level at www.orangelinemg.com. Till next time.